Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. City Bridge friends, we are so glad that you're here on this 4th of July weekend. Uh, And what that means for a lot of us is we're going to spend today grilling out, going out, watching fireworks, and student pastors everywhere are preaching at their main congregation. Uh, And so if you haven't met me, my name is Daniel Smith. I'm the student pastor here at City Bridge Community Church. Hey guys, hey. That's, that's my friend AJ over there. Uh, and, and man, I'm just excited. I'm excited about what the Lord has before us. I'm excited about, uh, man, what he's just put in my heart to be able to share with you guys. And also I'm excited to see what happens. Cause last time I felt this way about a, a sermon, uh, I was like, man, I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna get all fired up and I'm gonna go. And then I cried. Uh, and so we'll see, you know, we'll just roll the dice and see what happens. But before we do that, uh, if y'all don't mind, I would love to pray one more time. Uh, just a prayer in my own heart and my own mind as we dive into God's word. So. Dear Grace Heavenly Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you because you're good and we can trust you. And so Lord, we trust you with this time now. Would you open our ears to hear truth? Would you open our minds to understand it? Would you soften our hearts to be changed by it? And God, would you speak? Would you move? Would this be your time that we might dwell with you and be changed? Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, it's time to talk about the elephant in the room. Everyone knows what this is, right? We've all spent some time on this guy before? Yes? No? Maybe so? They told me you were interactive. I'm a student pastor. I'm going to need some feedback, guys. Uh, so, yeah, this is, this is the good old yellow cheese bus seat, right? We all sat on this going to school. We all had some good time on it. We all, in the summer, just had our legs meld to the pleather as we, like, sat and rode for a long time. And then as we stood up, just experienced probably what uh, getting our legs waxed feels like, you know? It's just like, often there we go. Um, and I'm a little bit frustrated because, like, when I was riding the bus, they didn't have these. They, like, seat belts. Seriously? When I was in this age, when I was, I think the last time I rode a bus was when I was 12 years old. And really what you had for safety was whatever you brought to the table with your grip strength. Like we're just, no seatbelts, you're just ready to go, pack yourself in with books and all that good stuff. And when I was 12, riding on the bus looked a lot like me talking to my buddies about baseball, me talking to my buddies. For whatever reason, when I was 12, when I was, 12 I was really into like X-Men trading cards. Don't know why and don't know if those things still exist. Uh, And then this was also about the time where my mind started to awaken to the mystery of girls. And so I talked to my buddies about, what do you think they're like? What do you think they're thinking, you know? And this was was what characterized my time on the way to school and on the way from school uh, as I rode the bus. But that was a long time ago. School's a little bit different now. Uh, And as people ride to and from the bus, at school, I wanna introduce you to a different 12-year-old. There's a 12-year-old girl in our student ministry who if you were to characterize her, I would say rainbows and unicorns put posters of her up in their room to be inspired, right? Like everywhere she goes, joy is spread. Uh, And she is just one of those people that as she's playing soccer or as she's jumping around, you're looking at her and you're like, that is a future Pine Cove counselor or Canacut counselor or Sky Ranch counselor, right? Like you're just like, this girl just exudes joy. 
And this past year, this girl changed schools. Her family moved and she went to a totally different school than what she had before. And being someone who I'd say averaged about moving every three years when they were going through school, can kind of sympathize with what it's like to walk into a new school and just everything that that brings. I mean, can you put yourself there? You don't know anybody. You're stepping into a new environment. You don't know the unwritten rules and all that kind of stuff. And so just my family and some other families spent time praying for this girl as she was going to this new place and just like, Lord, bring friends. Please bring friends so that she doesn't feel alone, so that she has somebody she can laugh with. Please provide her with friends. And as the course of the year went on, this actually ended up happening. We actually got to see God answer that prayer. So that by spring semester, she has friends. Not only does she have friends, but people are recommending her for awards, awards at school because of the way that she's so joyful and cares for others. And so they're about to go on their sixth grade field trip. And it's, it's I think, March at this point in time. And as they're about to go on the sixth grade field trip, we find this 12-year-old girl in this seat with two other people. How that's physically possible, I don't know. I feel like I've got a one-seater right here and, this is, and it's got three seat belts. So I feel a little bit insecure right now. So this is where she's sitting with two other people. And you guys know the bus driver, right? The bus driver's always looking in the back window. Hey, sit down. Hey, don't throw that. Hey, stop saying that. And, uh, and as she's sitting there, the bus driver sees them in the mirror. And the bus driver looks at him and was like, that's too many to a seat, you gotta move. And so our friend, our 12 year old friend who exudes joy is sitting on the edge and she's like, okay, I'll be the one who moves, which is very characteristic of her. And she gets up and she walks down the aisle. And as she walks down the aisle, it's kind of like, man, everybody's, there's two to a seat here, two to a seat here, two to a seat here, two to a seat here. There's one seat left at the front of the bus. And as she walks down the aisle to go to that one seat left where you have this girl who exudes joy and neon wherever she goes, the person who's sitting at the front of the bus that's by themselves is a little bit like Wednesday Adams, <laughs> right? Like, and if you don't know, I don't know that Netflix series, so I can't recommend it. But if you see the picture, you understand what I'm talking about. She's just like, she's by herself because she kind of exudes the, the personality of I want to be by myself, right? Please leave me alone. And our friend walks down and sits next to her. And as she sits next to her, she turns and talks to her. Someone who's so different from her. 12-year-old Daniel. If 12-year-old Daniel's on that bus and 12-year-old Daniel finds himself in that situation, 12-year-old Daniel's gonna pretend like this person doesn't exist. The rest of the ride of my bus is this. And I'm yelling to my friends in the back, talking about what Nolan Ryan did or talking about what Ricky Henderson did or talking about whatever's happening. But I'm, I'm not gonna engage with this person. And in my mind, I think I'm being kind because I'm just not doing anything bad. But this girl turns and sees another person and says, I'm gonna to get to know you. And as she carries out the conversation with her friend, and as she talks with her, she finds out that her friend is actually going through a really tough year. That this year, her best friend, the only person she really connected with moved away and she feels lonely. 
And this 12-year-old girl looks at her and says, I have a best friend that will never leave me or forsake me. Would you like to know him? And in that moment, she leads this girl to Christ and she prays to trust Christ on a stinky bus to a sixth grade field trip. I don't know if you heard me. She prayed to trust Christ on a sixth grade field trip. Like, if we can't get excited about that, then I don't know what, we do. I don't know what we're doing here, frankly. And the question I wanna to pose to you guys is this. What gives a sixth grade girl that courage? Courage that honestly is beyond half the people in this room, maybe more than that. Most of us, if we're honest to ourselves, ignore the person that sits next to us, even if we choose to sit next to them the first time we get on the bus. And this 12-year-old girl recognizes a divine appointment set for her to engage with the person she's sitting next to. And for asking ourselves, what gives this girl that courage? I think we can find that answer in God's word. And so if you will do, uh, if you will open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter nine, we're gonna jump in and we're gonna look at the transfiguration of Jesus Christ and how the transfiguration is what inspires this girl to live on mission where she's at and be in that moment. So if you got your Bibles, we're going to Luke nine verses 28 through 35. It says this, now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter, John, and James and went up, to, uh, went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were there parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said, as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. What I want to submit to you is that this is Jesus in living color. In this moment, you're seeing God giving Jesus the blue check mark, right? Before you had to pay for it, like a monthly subscription, this was God saying, verified, done. Or for my friends who are a little bit older in the room, if you don't know what we mean by like a blue check mark, you're not really sure what that means. Maybe you're familiar with Schoolhouse Rock, yeah? And, and like our very favorite one of Bill, who's just sitting on Capitol Hill waiting to become a law, right? Like he's gotta go through the Senate, he's gotta go through the House, he's gotta get stamped by the President of the United States. This is Jesus going through all three branches, all three uh, systems of the government to be verified and stamped into law. And this is God saying, this is the Messiah. You don't have to wonder anymore, right? Like if you're looking at this, and this is the first time you're introduced to this moment, you're kind of jumping into season three of an ongoing series. 
And if you're in the room with a bunch of your buddies watching, you're looking around and you're like, Moses and Eliza show up and everybody starts freaking out. Like somebody from season one who you thought was dead all of a sudden walks into the room and everybody's like, hold up, what's happening right now? And it's this, they're both confirming who Jesus is. So we're gonna get a little interactive. What do we know about Elijah? Who is he? Some, yeah, he's a prophet, perfect. He's like the prophet of prophets. He's the one that comes in and he calls down fire and it consumes a sacrifice. And then the people overthrow the priests of Baal and he sets God's people back on course. He's representing the prophets. And then what do we know about Moses? What's, what's he like famous for? Yeah, the law. Moses is the one who goes up on the mountain and he gets the 10 commandments and he brings them down to the people and then he breaks them because they're wiling out. And then he goes back up and he gets a second set because God's like, hey, you actually need those. And he brings the law to the people. Here you have the law and the prophets saying it's him. This is the one. And not only do you have the law and the prophets saying it's him, you get God himself speaking over Jesus. This is the one who I'm sending. Listen to him. This isn't just going from grayscale to color. This is going from grayscale to 4K, right? Like this is saying, this is the person you should follow. Trust him, do what he says. And this shows us that God, out of his loving kindness, verifies the Messiah. God, out of his loving kindness, leaves nothing for us to question. God, out of his loving kindness, lays it all out there in clarity for us of who we can trust. And so if you're asking me what gives this girl courage in this situation, it's the confidence of the verification of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. There's no question to be asked. He is who he says that he is. And that is what we should gain out of the transfiguration of who shows up. But if we wanna look at this a little bit deeper, we can follow one person's backstory that illustrates God's loving kindness to us. You see, Elijah and Moses, they have a lot of things in common. Elijah and Moses both got to meet with God on mountains. Elijah and Moses both were able to hear God's voice Elijah and Moses both had a special relationship with the Lord that honestly wasn't replicated by anyone else. But if you take Moses, for example, what does this show us about God's loving kindness? It shows us that out of God's loving kindness, he fulfills and restores. Consider this with me. We know that Moses brought the law. We know that Moses parted the Red Sea. We know that Moses communed with God. But do you know some disappointing facts about Moses? In Exodus 33, if you got your Bibles, you can flip there. If not, we're gonna throw it on the screen. In Exodus 33, 
in verses 17 through 20, you get this really unique view of Moses and God's relationship. Exodus 33, verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing you have spoken, I will do for you. For you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And as you look at Moses in this moment, you have him directly request from God something. And it's met with a no. Out of God's loving kindness. Like, do you hear God's love from Moses in this? He tells him. He says, I will make my, I will make my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim my name. And I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I show mercy. He tells him that he's found favor in his sight. It's almost like when my kids come up to me and they just hit me with the, Daddy, can I please? And everything in my heart wants to get him that bowl of nerds right before bedtime. <laughs> because in that humility, he just says, Daddy, please, can I? And it's the hardest thing in the world to say no because it's not what's best for him in that moment. It's not good for him in that moment. And you hear God telling Moses that same thing. It's, man, I love you, Moses, but you can't right now. We have another part. If you got your Bibles, we're flipping around a ton. It's also on the screen, Numbers 27. Whenever the last time you were in Numbers, here we go. Numbers 27, uh, we're gonna be in verses 12 through 14. And the Lord said to Moses, go up into this mountain of Abram and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. When you have seen it, you shall be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was, because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zin, when the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold me as holy at the waters before their eyes. And what he's telling Moses is this. Your entire life, you've been living to lead these people into the promised land. And you're not going in. And for some of us, you can kind of get in that space where you're like, God, are you just being petty right now? Like, hey, I'm, you can see it, but you're not going. But I think if you look at his character out of Exodus 33, you realize that God, out of his loving kindness, is meeting Moses and telling him it was worth it. It wasn't wasted. Yeah, you're not going in, but everything that you put into this got these people here. And it's worth it. And so, with that in mind, let's go back to Luke 9. With Moses having asked to see God's face, with Moses having pleaded to be near to him, and with Moses having been denied his lifelong 
pilgrimage back to the promised land, we see this. Luke 9, verse 30. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter, those who were with him, were heavy with with sleep. But when he became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. In the presence of Jesus Christ, Moses' request to see God's face is yes. At the glorified transfiguration of Christ. In the presence of Jesus Christ, Moses' denial to the promised land is yes in Jesus Christ and that he in the presence of Christ sets his feet on the promised land that God had sent to him from the beginning to bring his people to. And Fred, I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know what you've been pleading with the Lord for, but God in his loving kindness fulfills both things with Moses from 1,500 years ago in this one moment in the presence of Jesus Christ. He invites him in. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you've been pleading with God for. I don't know if you're in this room and you're in the bus of life and you're sitting here and you're saying, God, when are you gonna bring somebody to sit next to me? When am I gonna get a spouse? God, when am I gonna get that job? When am I gonna get that raise? God, when am I gonna get out of this place? God, when am I gonna get this house? God, when are you gonna heal this marriage? God, when are you gonna heal this disease? And you're asking him, why am I not hearing an answer? And if we look to Moses, we can see that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And whatever he's telling you no for, there is a better work for you in Christ Jesus to find fulfillment and redemption God fulfills and God restores. He will not leave you there. Out of God's loving kindness, he invites us into that in the presence of Jesus Christ. I think the other thing that we can see out of uh, Luke 9 is that out of God's loving kindness, he transforms you. When you're confronted with God's loving kindness, you can't stay the same. There's a place where you have to interact and you have to respond. And when you stay in God's loving kindness and when you dwell in God's loving kindness, not only do you see him transformed and transfigured, but you yourself change. So if you read this in Luke 9, where it says, now about eight days later, after these sayings took place, Peter, John, and James went up from the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothes became dazzling light. The word altered there is the Greek word metamorpho, which we get our word metamorphosis, the thing that changes and transforms. And it's used in Mark's gospel, it's used in Matthew's gospel, but it's also used in a couple other places in scripture. 
And if we look at 2 Corinthians 3.18, it's used here. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says this. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see this happen to Peter as he's in there and he's seeing the transfiguration. Peter, as he's observing all of this, and I kind of sympathize with Peter because we tend to speak before we really know what's going on. Peter goes, hey, wait, don't let them leave. Let's build tents. It's, it's early in the morning or it's late at night and, and they have a long way to go. What if they just stayed here with us? Let's put up three tents, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you, Jesus. And let's let them stay. They don't need to go anywhere. They can just hang out with us some more. And then God's cloud comes over and he speaks and everybody's gone. But it compelled Peter to action. And as we look at 2 Corinthians 3, as we dwell in God's loving kindness, it transforms who we are. Do you know how I know this? I see it in students all the time. You heard about our sixth grade friend who sat on the bus and because of God's loving kindness, her eyes were opened to the person sitting next to her and didn't see that person as someone to be ignored, but saw them as an eternal soul to engage with and get to know. And it gave her courage. We had an eighth grade student this past year who as she was uh, just building friendships at school, befriended a girl who was just struggling. And this girl who was struggling texted her one day and said, I don't think I'm a girl anymore. Can you use he, him as my pronouns? And this eighth grade girl freaked out a little bit. I think we all would, right? I mean, like, there's a temptation to be like, I didn't see your text, so sorry. Um, but she didn't. She talked to her parents. I was like, mom and dad, what do I do? And they gave her really solid advice. And she's like, I'm just gonna fact check that real quick, mom and dad. And so they're like, hey, why don't you talk to your small group leader? And so she reached out to her small group leader and the small group leader, surprise, surprise, gave her the same advice as her parents. Guys, this is what we're trying to do here, right? And as she, gave, and as she got that advice, it was, hey, I think you should talk to her about this. What do you think God's loving kindness would look like in this moment? And so she texted her friend back and she said, hey, I wanna talk to you about this, but I think we need to do it over the phone and not over text. Do you have a time where we could talk? And in that, in her bus of life, she invited this girl to sit next to her. And as she invited this girl to sit next to her, she had the conversation with, girl, with this girl. And before she got into any of the pronoun things, she said, before we talk about this, can I tell you about what I believe? And she shared the gospel with her about how God loves her and sent his son to die for her so that she could have a relationship with him. 
It's kind of like scooting closer to somebody on the bus. And then she shared with her, because this God loves you so much. And took her to Psalm 139. And that he intricately created you. And made you the way you are, not by mistake, but on intention. I can't use he, him with you. See, God's loving kindness compelled her to meet this other girl with truth and grace. Most eighth grade girls delete the text, delete the friendship, and ignore it. And this eighth grade girl said, I'm going to move towards you because God in his loving kindness did this to me. We're being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. I would ask you, are you dwelling with him in a way that transforms you? Are you dwelling with him that in moments like this cause you to lean in instead of run away? Are you dwelling with him so that when you go to lunch this afternoon, when you go to your restaurant and you sit down at your table, are you dwelling in God's loving kindness so that you look at your waiter with loving kindness and don't just see him as a vending machine that you put money in and get food out of? but you see them as an eternal being created in the image of God, invited into his loving kindness and going to spend eternity in one place or the other. Have you considered that they're a person? Have you considered that your neighbor might not know the loving kindness of God? Like does your neighbor know more about your politics than they do about your savior? Do they know more about your lawn care routine than what dinner with your family looks like? Have you considered how God's loving kindness is to be poured out on your neighborhood through you? Or are you even dwelling in it to be transformed by it? You see, God's loving kindness doesn't just transform us it keeps us from being conformed to this world. The other place where metamorphia is used is Romans 12, one and two. A lot of us have read that before. We're gonna read it from a different lens. Romans 12, one and two says this. I appeal to you brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by, the testing, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. If we're talking about conformity, we're talking about high school, right? Everybody with me on that? You just, you, you go along to get along in high school so that you simply survive? Please tell me we've all been there, yes, no? Okay, yeah, all right, good. I'm not the only one, that makes me feel a lot better. Uh, and here's the thing, is that in high school, there's, a, there's an obvious pecking order. There's the seniors and then there's the freshmen. And then somewhere in between, based on your like aptitude at 
athletics or school or acting or band or whatever, maybe you can rise in the ranks. But you know who's at the very bottom? The incoming freshmen. They haven't even set foot on the school campus yet. And they are like excited and, and starry-eyed until their hopes get crushed when they get on campus. Um, and here's the deal. If you wanna talk about somebody who's not conformed to this world, one of our senior guys, going to be a senior at this campus, has been transformed by God's loving kindness. I mean, this guy is a stud. I think he was starting on their football team as a freshman. He's probably gonna go play at the next level next year. He has a lot going for him. He could make senior year about him, but he's not conformed to this world. He has been transformed by the loving kindness of Christ. To the degree that one of our rising eighth graders, he's given rides to FCA. He says, hey, come sit with me on the bus. He's practicing with at baseball. He's talking to, he's engaging with. And this eighth grader, as he looks at his high school career, considers this, who do I wanna be? And before him are two very distinct individuals. One, who's living the high school dream. He's an athlete, he's living for himself. He's enjoying all the things that come along with that. And the other, who's taking an interest in him because of God's loving kindness. As I talked with this eighth grade student, he was telling me, I wanna be baptized because I wanna follow this senior and the example that he's set. And I don't wanna live for myself anymore, but I want God's loving kindness to flow through me. My question to you is this. Who are you sitting next to on the bus that needs to know God's loving kindness? That person changes out pretty regularly. But are you checking out, not seeing the opportunity that God set before you? And the only person who's missing out is you. As you get to pour out the loving kindness that God has put on you, you get to see that change the lives around you. Here's the good news. It doesn't run out. God's loving kindness never runs out. He extended it to Moses 1,500 years after he died. And he extends it to you to experience now. Not only does he extend it that way, but God in his loving kindness caused Jesus to be transfigured a second time. And he wasn't just transfigured, but he was disfigured. And if you're in this room and you're sitting here and you're looking at us like, man, the church has never really been loving or kind to me. I don't feel like I have a seat on the church's bus. Can I tell you something? Christ in his loving kindness was disfigured to you so that he could invite you in. In Matthew 27, we see that he was beaten for our transgressions. In Matthew 27, Verses 27 through 31, it says this. And then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion, a whole battalion. 
And they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and they put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, hail king of the Jews. And then they spit on him. And then they took the reed from him and they struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him and stripped him of the robe and put on and put his own clothes on him, they led him away to be crucified. Isaiah says it this way in Isaiah 52. He says this. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of children of mankind. God in his loving kindness took your punishment. And if you're here and you're saying, the church has never offered me a seat on the bus because of what I've done, because of what I struggle with, I'm here to tell you because of what Christ did. And as his arms were stretched out onto the cross, he opened the door of the bus to eternal life and relationship with him to his family so that you might come in. He offers you a seat with him. What's keeping you from it? Is it fear? Is it what you might have to give up? Is it that you think that what you've done costs too much for you to be forgiven? He was marred beyond human recognition. He paid for it all. And he offers you it all. If you would trust him, if you would walk through the door, I don't know where you're at in the room. Maybe you haven't dwelt with God's loving kindness that it would transform you. Would you come pray with us? Maybe you're fearful of what walking through that door might cost you. Would you come help us talk with you to have courage? Maybe you thought, I've done too much. There's no way anybody would forgive me. Can I share with you my story of what God has done in my life and what he's forgiven me from? His grace exceeds all of our mistakes. But there's a seat open for you. If you would just come and trust him. Would you consider doing that now? Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.